Miami Hurricanes have a lot of work to do on the field to get ready for the 2022 season, just like Miami's coaches have a lot of work to do to try and solidify a top 10 class of 2023. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor on allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So since we've had a couple of days with no media access and practice, I thought, what better time to talk some recruiting? Because we get a lot of questions about this class of 2023. I have a lot of questions about the class of 2023. We bring on our very good friend who covers recruiting for us here on the Locked On Network, John Garcia Jr., head of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated. John, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, my guy. Yeah, there's uh, there's some big news coming up, big commitments in the next week. So yeah, I figured, uh, figured you'd give me a buzz. So happy to be here. Yeah, especially since those reptiles in Gainesville just had a really good weekend recruiting last week. And everyone in my has this next wave coming. And hey, I would like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. John joins us via LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. Terms and conditions apply. So, John, I have to start here because there's been a lot of buzz over the last 48 hours about a couple of Miami verbal commits, the Washington Twins. Robbie Washington, the four-star wide receiver, his twin brother Bobby, the three-star linebacker. Um, I hear a lot of noise now about Louisville trying to pull out all of the stops to try and flip them from the U to the Ville. What are you hearing? Yeah, there's there's certainly, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think in this case, it, it starts to make a lot of sense, not only from, you know, Miami's perspective and, hey, look, this is a great recruiting class that's being built. So naturally, programs are going to look around and see if there are any kids on the commitment list, just like we're seeing with Emory Williams and some of these others where there's like, hey, you know, do we have a shot to, to flip or to change their minds? So I think that's certainly an indicator. And then obviously Louisville has been recruiting at an uptick this cycle. I think there's really no other way to, to place it. Look, NIL, the ACC, you know, all that stuff is pushing in the right way for Scott Satterfield and company, who's, you know, one of the more eccentric head coaches in the game. So when, when he gets to recruiting, a lot of guys are, are jumping in. And then on top of that, of course, We've seen a lot of locals pop to Louisville, William yeah. Foles, Stan Quan Clark, two guys that at one point looked like they were future Canes are now headed to Louisville. So when you make inroads like that in Dade, and we know Louisville's done that over the last, gosh, 10 or 15 years. Yeah, Dade, back going to, back to the Charlie Strong days. Yeah, Elmas Doomerville, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, all those guys. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be something that pops back up, and it's easy to sell and resonate with from that Louisville perspective. And then you think of the Washington twins, especially Robbie in particular, there's, there's really two things here. One, you don't get Robbie without Bobby. And that's part of the reason why Miami won out early. Robbie has made that incredibly clear. There were some other programs that wanted Robbie, but weren't as high on Bobby, the linebacker, and mainly Georgia. Uh, so that's part of the reason why 
uh, those two committed to the U because there was a commitment to both prospects individually. And of course, they view themselves as a package deal together. So that is one element where Louisville is well aware and certainly on board with. The other side of this is Robbie's been pretty open every time we talk to him. Hey, I'm going to keep taking visits. I'm solid, but I'm going to keep taking visits. And anytime you hear that, just as a normal recruiting fan, you know that the door is, even if it's cracked open, it's still somewhat open. So in that regard, again, there's there's a clear path for potential movement with a kid like that who is willing to take visits. And obviously his brother is on board in that regard as well. So um, not quite panic time yet, but certainly something to keep an eye on. Receivers, one of those groups that Miami needs an influx of talent within. Uh, so that's one, particularly in Robbie's case, where it does become worrisome if he does start looking around. But that's what I'd keep an eye on. Check out the visits. Does he get to Louisville for an official? He does have official visits remaining. Those are the kind of indicators that you look for now moving forward. I don't think if he does, if they do flip, it will be kind of out of thin air. I think it would be coming off of a visit and it would be something that's relatively tangible to track or at least start to see coming. But yeah, there's there's no doubt that Louisville has has done really nice work in South Florida again, um, but also nationally. Their, their brand is is elevated. NIL is playing a role uh, just like it has at, at Miami and AM and Tennessee and, and you know Nebraska, some of these other schools. So yeah, there are external factors at play here that are going to be fascinating to track, especially when it's a you know school in the same conference. So definitely something to keep an eye on. And that's great advice by John not to panic because recruiting doesn't really end until these players sign their national letter of intent. And it goes both ways, right? We've done episodes here on Locked on Canes in the past, and we're going to talk about a couple of these guys on this episode, players that Miami is trying to flip from other schools. And every time I have those discussions, I get the rival fans in my comments like, yeah. what about my, they could lose players too. Miami could get it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's a double-edged sword. Miami could flip some kids. Other kids could flip players from Miami. No doubt about that. Um, want to send a shout out to one of our listeners, Spider Kane, who on Twitter uh, wanted to make sure, because I, I gave everybody the heads up that we're talking with John today. He wanted to make sure I ask you about Ruben Bain, the four-star defensive lineman from Miami Central. He's a legacy, at least as a nephew. He, I think that counts as a legacy. The nephew of <laughs> Tolbert Bain, a Hurricanes great from the 1980s. So Miami has been longtime favored for Reuben Bain. Uh, I think Auburn, especially in Alabama and some others are in the mix there. And he's, he's taken his time, John. So do you think Bain to Miami, does it still feel somewhat solid to you? It, it still does. Uh, like you said, he's a legacy. His older brothers, you know, GA on the staff as well, working with the old linemen. There, there's a ton uh, of local ties here. He's been to campus like 10 times since Mario took over down at the U. So there's there's a ton of traction for Miami. There always kind of is. You know, um, our guy Brian Smith was, was down at Media Day a couple or last week to talk to Ruben. And he said, look, uh, you know, I've got as many ties to Miami as any program. And he also resonates specifically with Mario Cristobal, you know, being raised yeah. by, you know, single mothers and minority households and kind of that that struggle, if you will, that, that really resonates with Ruben. So I, I think the communication with Cristobal or I know the communication with Cristobal is very consistent. Um, and it's not just him. The entire defensive staff has, has really been all in on Bain. He has been the clear must get defensive recruit locally pretty much from the day Cristobal took the job. So this is something that has long been a priority and I, in my mind will remain a priority all the way through the end of, of uh, this 2023 cycle. But yeah, from Ruben's perspective, 
I think with Miami, he kind of knows what he's getting. You know, it's just about doing some due diligence thereafter. Like you mentioned, Alabama, Auburn. He took officials up there, loved both for, for different reasons. Spent a lot of time with Nick Saban one-on-one during that official visit. I think he even drove the golf cart uh, with Nick on there. Uh, so, you know, Nick trusts Ruben Bain, certainly. Something interesting that that not a lot of recruits get to experience. And, and you get the sense that, they know Miami is 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 the team in the lead here. So they're pulling out their own stops to try to stay in this race. And then Oklahoma's kind of a wild card. Uh, Louisville's in there as well with, with Ruben Bain. So I think, you know, it's going to go long. He's really always maintained that he's going to take this thing the distance and really vet as many options as possible. He certainly wants to see what this group of, of, you know, Miami football looks like on the field. I think that's important in, in that impression as well. But from from the recruiting uh, standpoint, classically, with crystal ball communication and all that, it, it's to the 10th degree. This is just because he doesn't talk about it as much or he's not quoted as much doesn't mean that he's not a monster priority for Miami. And, and I think that remains, you know, the rest of the way. They need additional talent up front. I think everybody understands that too. And, and locally, he, he's as good as it gets, not only locally, but nationally. This is an SI-99 recruit, 29 sacks last year. I mean, he's he's as as productive uh, a player as there is in this country relative to his position. So I, I think everybody understands that, and that's why um, everybody still wants him. So I think that's going to push his recruitment towards the end of the line. But I think all the way through, Miami will be, you know, not only a, a hat on the table, but maybe the favorite, you know, until he makes his decision. So it's the ball's in Miami's court, but there's still a few months left in the race. We're going to keep our Cal Ripken-esque streak alive. I actually did some counting the other day. I think this will be now the 16th consecutive week that we bring up with John Samson Okunlola, who uh, going back to early July has been strongly trending to Miami uh, five-star offensive tackle out of Massachusetts, who would be just the, the finishing touch on the best offensive line class Miami's ever had. If he comes uh, still no announcement date set, right, John, uh, anything new on Samson is Miami still the favorite. I do think Miami's the favorite today, but you know, I touched base with him over the last few days and, and he's teasing something coming out soon, but he did confirm to me, it's not a commitment. So oh. I do think, you know, he's got some stuff cooking. You know, he's the pancake guy. So we'll see you know, <laughs> what that is. Uh, but but yeah, I don't think he makes the preseason verbal commitment, uh, at least not right now. Things can change. Recruiting is always fluid. Uh, these things change literally day to day. But as far as my last contact with Samson, he is not hinting at a verbal commitment right now. But there's still no clear timeline. So it could still happen early in the season. Uh, he has said multiple times that he thinks he has enough information to make the call. He just hadn't done it quite yet, at least publicly. So I do think there, there could be some more due diligence there if, if he wants there to be. He does have some official visits available for the fall if he does want to take just a couple more trips to round out you know, the, the thought process going into a decision. But I do think he's he's ready to make that call uh, as soon as he wants to. But he also knows he can wait. So I do yeah. think that that's probably the more likely scenario at this point. I do think it gets into the, at least the early fall. Um, but but again, he's teasing something coming, but but not necessarily a verbal commitment. Uh, but you never know. I mean, these kids are smart. Samson's incredibly smart. So maybe he's just smoke screening me personally. And it <laughs> is a verbal commitment. But if that's the case, that's great news for Miami. I think you're still in the the sooner the better camp 
for Oka and Lola to the to the U. I think the longer it goes, we're going to hear more about Georgia, which is kind of reeling on the offensive line front, which is was kind of odd to say out loud. Um, Alabama, which is trying like Miami to wrap up their offensive line class. I think they've got five on board. So yeah, just it's it's an embarrassment of riches for these two programs at this point. But you don't say no to, to Samson, Oak, and Lola, Michigan State, Oregon, a couple other schools, you know, in, in that conversation as well. So I do think the longer it goes, the better for those schools, and and the opposite applies for Miami. You guys want to keep it locked right here because we still have to talk about with John a couple of the top wide receivers in the class. One of which Miami's starting to get more buzz for now than they were in recent weeks, which could be a good thing. A couple of the top cornerbacks in the class as well. So those who are into recruiting, you do not want to miss it. Guys, I want to talk about the importance of driving sober. You're hanging out with some friends. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, nah, you live nearby, you can make it home okay, it's no big deal, right, if you've had those thoughts. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Listen, everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads. They're doing that to save lives, guys. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Please play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So, okay, I'd love uh, your take, John, on cornerback. People ask me about this all the time, and I say that some of the top prospects are really taking their time, right? Because, you know, this is their timetable, not ours. And, you know, you see programs get big commits at certain positions. Why can't everyone commit right now? I want to ask you specifically about Five-star Cormani McLean out of Lakeland. Uh, and an interesting thing about Cormani is, I guess we'll start with Cormani before I bring up the other one. Depending on who you talk to, you talk to Alabama fans, they say, sure thing, done deal, he's coming. <laughs> you talk to Gator fans, sure thing, done deal, he's coming. Maybe, I, I don't know if Miami fans feel that way, maybe some do, but what do you think is happening with Cormani McLean? Yeah, two things immediately come to mind, Alex. One, Cor Cormani doesn't know. You know, I think that's <laughs> that's the main thing here. This kid is he knows he's a priority and he knows he's got some of the great greatest DB coaches in the country on him. Right. Corey Raymond, Nick Saban, T-Rob, uh, Adai. I mean, he, he knows he's Fran Brown up at uh, UGA. He's he knows he's got his his pick. Right. It's the same thing as Oak and Lola. We just talked about he can wait yeah. until February. And nobody's going to bat an eye at it. They don't want to recruit him that long, but you might have to recruit him that long, even if he commits tomorrow, right? This is a kid who's clearly, I mean, probably unanimously, I would imagine, I haven't looked elsewhere, the number one corner of the country. I mean, that, that is rare air. Uh, so everybody needs that premium position, and, and he's got the production to back it up. So I think he's going to take all of that time, and, and teams are going to allow him to do so. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think today he knows for sure, boom, I'm going to this school. But there's certainly confidence uh, from a couple sides of this. And it's not just the fans. You know, I think Florida's got legitimate confidence. I think Alabama uh, kind of always has confidence. But yeah, 
they should. should. <laughs> you know, they should in, in this regard. Um, I do know that the first two coaches he always brings up are, are Raymond and T-Rob. So I think in that regard, Florida and Alabama should feel good. But again, kind of like Okaloda, the longer it goes, where does Miami get in the mix? What about Georgia? What about someone else? I mean, this kid took a, mm. uh, unofficials to BYU and a bunch of schools all over the country. So he's never really said this is the final group either. So there, there's a lot of intrigue around Cormani. He, when it comes to timeline, has been steady in two fronts. He either says, I don't know, which is probably true, or he says, I'm going to just wait. I'm just going to wait. There's there's game visits he's going to take this fall that he wants to take that they're not scheduled yet, though. So that does tell me there's at least some time between now and a decision because obviously the season doesn't start till next month. So in that regard, I do think that there's going to be some time between a decision, at least publicly, and, and National Signing Day. But it could also go up all the way to Signing Day. But with his talent, it's going to go to that point anyway. He commits to Florida tomorrow. Miami's not slowing down. Georgia's not slowing down. Bama's definitely not slowing down for Cormani McLean. So it's one of those that I think will, will go the distance. He will take some game visits, committed or not. Uh, and, and I do think Miami gets one of those. He certainly uh, – he, he considers Miami and Florida both kind of hometown vibes. Uh, I know the move to Lakeland has a lot of Gator fans feeling even better, right? He's being right. coached by Ahmad Black, a former Gator – safety uh there at lake who played at lakeland himself when, when it was the pipeline to florida back in the day with the pouncy twins and all that but it's it's also cormani mclean and and that's what people in this state say it's cormani he's gonna do what he wants those influences i don't think are gonna be the, the be all end all with him he is his own kid as much as any top level recruit we've seen over the last several cycles so it's going to be anything from conventional to, to outside the box and it would fit with Cormani McLean. So I do think it's fascinating and it's worth tracking all the way through, but we know Miami's going to stay in it. I think they get a game visit. Um, you know, he took the official visit already really enjoyed his time uh, in Coral Gables. He was kind of the, the, the big fish on campus, like by himself. It wasn't a huge oh, wow. OV weekend. So I think that was a really strong early impression, but there's no doubt you got to get him back for a game unofficial something you got to get them back on campus because this recruitment feels like it's going to go all the way till at, at least december and in that regard you know you, you got to put in the work to stay in the mix but you know he's he's going to do his own thing either way so he's one that i would definitely not make a prediction on he's one i won't even try to put a true timeline on because it is that combination of spur of the moment or or I don't know, um, that, that really makes it for, you know, a wild recruitment ahead. Uh, and it really could just be the beginning with Cormani. That's the scary part. This could just be the beginning of him trying to actually figure this thing out. So I, I think there's a reason for those schools to feel confident, but there's also a reason for those schools to have pause and in, in that confidence with this type of, of recruit positionally and, and personally. As far as timeline goes, is it a similar situation for Damari Brown, the four-star corner out of American Heritage? Because, in, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that this might have been a scoop that you had a few weeks ago that he'd said, you know, he, he wants to watch Miami a bit before he makes up his mind on them. Yeah, I think it's going to go into the season again. He'll take some visits, but he'll use them as officials. So hmm. it's a little bit more clear with Brown. He, he will go into September – He'll try to knock out a few officials. I think, you know, Miami, Alabama, Clemson are probably the three schools that are in the thick of it. And again, you're, if you're a Miami fan, you you probably get scared uh, hearing some of those teams, but you should yeah. want to continue to hear that because that's who you got to go head to head with. And you've obviously won a lot of head to heads 
with both of these programs to this point. Um, you got to keep doing it, though, even for local recruits and Damari Brown, especially for those who are, I guess, out or feeling like they're out on the Cormani McLean sweepstakes. When you talk about the best available corners, he's one of the first names that's going to pop up here nationally. So I think on two fronts, this is going to be interesting. One, how quickly does he get into those officials and how much does that help him make a decision? And two, does it extend to the point where more schools try to get involved here late? Does, does a Texas A&M jump in? You know, Texas just missed on two corner prospects. Do they start to jump in? Does his recruitment start to push more nationally than, than kind of in SEC, ACC country going forward? I think that will be interesting for him because he's, he's a darn good player who is um, increasing people's opinion of his game basically every time he's seen. And obviously he'll be at a marquee program this fall at, at American Heritage uh, playing with, with big-time recruits all over the place. So he's only going to help his recruiting profile going forward. But another Miami legacy, you know, his dad played there. He talks to Cristobal all the time. I think, I think the quote he said recently was every day that he hears from wow. Miami. So there's, again – like Ruben Bain, there's a clear priority level here, and, and there's a big need in the secondary. That's probably the position group that Miami has the most work to do uh, with going forward, corners and safeties. And there's, uh, luckily for Miami, a lot of in-state and, and local targets to focus on, but it doesn't right. mean the road ahead will be easy because you're competing with you know, the, the biggest schools in the country to win these battles. Yeah. And like sometimes, uh, you know, we, we have to think with two different minds. Like we have to think about what's at Miami right now versus what's happening in recruiting, because I, I've said before, similar to what you've said, John, about like needs at safety, like in recruiting people are like, well, well, I mean, who cares? Like we have, you know, James Williams, he's so young right now, Avante and Cam, we've got young studs in there. But you always have to be thinking four dimensionally, right? Because uh, especially a guy like James Williams may not finish out his full eligibility at Miami with how, with how good he's going to be. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you that these are, these are needs in recruiting right now, even if there's a lot of talent in the defensive backfield at the moment currently enrolled. That's a great point. And that's another indicator. Again, if you want to be one of these programs, you're dealing with three and out players every single year. Yeah. So, yeah, you can never have enough talent at really any position, but especially when you get into the secondary where you've got five, six guys on the field almost every single down against every single opponent. So, yeah, you need as much depth as, as humanly possible. So, yeah, I think that's where into the fall and we get closer to December, that that's really the position that you're, you're going to see Miami pushing a lot more for that. And I would say running back where there's no commitments just yet is going to be another we talk about, but secondary from a premium position perspective, more important to get as much depth and volume as possible. So you guys, I'm going to ask John about a couple of the top wide receivers in the class, including one Miami's getting a little bit more momentum on this week. So keep it locked right here to locked on Canes. So, John, um, is it just me? Because you you can speak to this maybe better than I can, but I, I feel like there's renewed buzz and hope from Miami on the Hakeem Williams front, the five-star wide receiver from Fort Lauderdale, Stranahan. Because in recent weeks, I'd kind of written him off a little bit as a Miami prospect. What's going on there? Well, there's been a lot of ebb and flow to his entire recruitment from, from 18 months ago to now four or five teams have held buzz here, right? Wow. Initially, it was probably Florida State, AM when they started making inroads in South Florida. We've heard Georgia. 
Uh, we've heard Pitt at, at different points where he's taken, I think, three visits in the last year and is talking about maybe getting to a game soon, which is which is kind of interesting to me. You know, he's he's committing uh, what in the next month or so. So I believe September, September 23rd, September yeah. 23rd. So yeah. he's going to be able to get to a game or two before a decision. So if he gets up to Pitt, I got my eye on that one. But look, Miami is is a local program that has continued to build with him. I think a week ago, if you'd have asked, hey, which in-state school is most likely to get him? I think you'd probably go Seminoles, Florida State. But it has started to shift a little bit, particularly with the tangible loss or miss, however you want to put it, I should say, of William Foles. Yeah. There was buzz from Miami going into that. Then he pushed it back. There was some there was some fluidity going on. And William has hinted at this publicly and privately since this point. And now he's on board recruiting for Louisville, playing kind of Miami antagonist at this point. But um, to me, not getting the commitment, whether however we want to quantify it, not gaining that verbal commitment tells me a lot about Miami's standpoint with him and Hakeem Williams, because those are the guys that you kind of put in the same box, almost like Robbie Washington and Ray Ray Joseph, where their skill set is so similar. William Foles, 6'3", 200 pounds, Hakeem, 6'4", maybe 205. You, you put them in the same kind of box. So you, you maybe don't have a fit for both of them in this class, mm -hmm. but you certainly need at least one of them in here. So I do think as Foles picked Louisville, naturally my brain went to, okay, is Miami feeling better about Hakeem than we think? And then yeah. we kind of looked into it and that answer has been yes. Not a pound the table yes. I'm super confident it's a done right. deal only because the kid has fluctuated so very much. And there's still you know five weeks to go in the recruitment. And we know – at least a couple visits are planned in between now and then. So how those visits materialize, I think we'll say a lot, but from a priority standpoint and certainly from a positional standpoint, Miami's going to try to win and or stay in this race as long as possible. And there's another sense here. We're going to talk about this all fall together. Mm -hmm. There's a sense that the commitment isn't the end with I keep mm. because there's been so much fluctuation. And, and when you've got these, a&M and Georgia, these schools involved, all very needy at the position, by the way, which is, again, weird to talk about because they usually recruit so well. There's going to be some moves after verbal commitments are made. So even if it's Pitt, and no disrespect there, I do think there's going to be a lot of pushes for Akeem Williams, especially if he keeps playing the way that he that he did uh, as a junior in 2021, where he was just kind of this do-everything, big, physical, wideout that it's really hard to miss, especially down here in South Florida. So, uh, and by the way, shout out to our listener, Alex Avila, who wanted us to ask uh, John about wide receivers. So real quick on the way out, John, anything new on Jurion Dickey, who Miami is hoping to flip? Yo, he, he did announce his high school that he was going to. It's not IMG, Ugh. at least not right now. So I do think that, you know, provides a little clarity there. But yeah, he's going to stay in Northern California and in Jaden Rashada territory. And I think this will be a thing all the way through. Uh, remember, he's taken two visits to Miami without utilizing an official to make mm -hmm. one of those visits. So you think of, you know, hey, when will Rashada come back to town and all those kind of things? When do you think that it, that becomes a trip? Because remember... A year ago, we were talking Jerry on Dickey to Oregon under Mario Cristobal. Yeah. So this is this is a kid who has developed a true longstanding relationship with this coaching staff of, or with most of this coaching staff. And that still resonates. Duck fans are fearing Miami at this point relative to Jerry on Dickey. And, and they should. That is clearly the top threat 
in this recruitment, and it appears that is as if it will go all the way as well. And, and it could be a double-edged sword, right? If you, if you get an Ikeem Williams, maybe you, you can slow down on Dickey, at least from a numbers and body and skill position standpoint. Um, but also Dickey's as good as it gets in this class, so you wonder if they push anyway, even if they do land the commitment of, of Ikeem Williams. So all these receiver dominoes and numbers, to me, are going to be really interesting because there's obviously a finite amount of spots uh, and, and targets left at this point. So if you're a Miami fan, just hold on to Robbie, grab one of these two big wide receivers, and you start to feel really good about, about how this class is going to start to wrap up. Uh, and then obviously don't count out some guys who can emerge as seniors, especially in South Florida, where we know there's as much talent as, as there is anywhere in America. Fantastic. As always, check him out uh, at John Garcia underscore junior on Twitter. Head football, uh, head of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated and SI.com. So make sure to check out all of John's work. John Garcia, thank you so much, man. We'll talk to you next time. Cheers, boss. Thanks for having me back on. I always love catching up with John. Hey, get more on the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen every day. Candace Cooper and the local experts take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. Thank you for making us your first listen. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.